welcome back. It's episode 78 of our Brooklyn Bites. I am Stephanie. And I'm Leon. And we're going to talk about some games today. Yeah. I have one in particular. It's called Looty Dungeon. Looty Dungeon? Yeah. <laughs> I've been getting into some... Well, I've played some console games lately. Uh-huh. So I have now... My iPad games are starting to back up. Okay. Because you know me, I'm like a junkie and downloading tons of games every week. So... This one came out uh, to 2016. I think it came out like last month, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's called Looty Dungeon. That sounds great. It's kind of a weird name. And it's from uh, developer Taco Illuminati. Wow. Yeah. That's a fancy name. <laughs> <laughs> they have a funny logo, too. It's actually a taco with an eyeball on it. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a free app. This game is an isometric, endless dungeon game. Mm. And it is... Uh, Randomly generated rooms. Uh, it's almost like if you think about Legend of Zelda, the dungeons in Zelda. It's sort of like take that and sort of tilt the perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what they're going for here. There's only one door per room here. And it's very linear. You know, you enter the room. There's a door across the hall. Just make your way to the door and like, onto the next room. Onto the next door, as they call it. Mm-hmm. A simple premise the game uses the voxel style of graphics similar to Crossy Road. It's a little bit of a trendy thing yeah. right now. A couple other games I've talked about in the past year have used this sort of graphic technique, Minecraft look, you know, that type of pixel voxel thing. I, I wonder if Minecraft is to blame for that because it is so huge. I, th- I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with the younger market. Mm-hmm. You know, really into Minecraft. Not so much maybe our age group, but. Not that it's a bad thing necessarily, but Terrania, I think, is another one. But I don't uh-huh. know if that's much. That's really voxel. I think that's like pixel. a that's like a side scroller. Is view, it okay? Sort of, or at least like a sideways view. But I feel like Minecraft, and then probably Crossy Road mm-hmm. get to the next level, and yeah, you know, probably is equal responsible for bringing that into popularity. That mm-hmm. look. So yeah, so it's it doesn't play like Crossy Road, but it has that just visual appeal to it. Uh, simple touchscreen controls. It's not like a D-pad or anything. This uses a swipe to move. Mm -hmm. And to fight, to actual battle, you have to hold down and swipe in that direction you want to hit an enemy. Mm -hmm. So a quick swipe will move a square. If you hold it down a little bit and then swipe in that direction, then you'll do like an action with your character, like an attack. Is it, is it turn-based? Uh, No. Oh, it's real time? No, it's all real time. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have a health meter in this, and that's represented by hearts, similar also to like a Zelda. And uh, the amount of hearts you get will change depending on the character you choose. There's also a boss character you fight. Every eight doors that you go through, you'll get a boss screen. And the boss screen's a little bit different than the regular boards. Mm-hmm. Are these different types of bosses, or is it all, like, familiar? Like, 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 yeah. Do you know which kind of boss you're going to run into? So, because it's randomly generated, there there are, like, a certain amount of, like, boss types. Mm-hmm. But the, the first boss will always be different. Like, you're not always going to fight the same guy in the okay. beginning. And usually, the eight levels before the boss, other than the first eight levels, but after that, those levels leading up to the boss usually give you a hint of who you're going to fight. Mm-hmm. So some of the, like some of the boss characters, and they all have different attack patterns and stuff. There's a, a witch. Uh, she has a cauldron, and she'll throw like fireballs at you. Mm-hmm. And then she also has like a little pet rat that runs around the, uh, the board. And she um, she'll jump around and try to come up, come up to you and hit you too. 
There's a, a knight who is invincible to your attacks, so you have to be a little creative on how you beat him. Hmm. There's a skeleton king. There's uh, one of my favorites is the giant slime. Mm. He's like this big think of like a, a jello cube. Yeah, and he's like kind of like blops around. Is it, gr- <laughs> is it green? Um, no, he's actually red. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he also shoots projectiles at you. Uh-huh. And he leaves a trail of, uh, acid, acid slime. And wow. then there's another one of my favorites is the giant cyclops, mm-hmm. and he chases you around like a club. <laughs> so, that was, those are, I think there's, there's definitely more bosses, but that's all I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get that far. It's a pretty tough game. You go from, from door to door, and... The further you go in into this game, like the more doors you go through, it does get progressively harder. There are obstacles on each level. There's like floor traps. There's spikes that'll like shoot up from the ground as soon as you step like cross over um, like a, a spike area. Mm-hmm. They like they shoot up and down. There's uh, guillotine axes which will come down and try to chop you. There's pr- um, some stages have these projectiles that'll shoot out from the walls as soon as you like cross in its path. And on top of all that, you have to keep moving because some of it looks like how Pac-Man 256 was. Yeah. The dungeon is falling apart mm-hmm. as soon as you start the level. So, like, row by row is collapsing behind you. Mm-hmm. So you have to always keep moving forward. Otherwise, you'll, you'll fall. And if you die from the collapsing floor, then you, you lose all your life. Oh, uh, so it's game over. It's game over instantly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's not like a quick action sort of thing, but if you sort of can't take your time, like, you know, you have to, if there's like a gold coin or something, you can't really go back for it if you mm. don't have an opportunity to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> don't get greedy. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, there's also enemies on the screen. So prepare to, to fight uh, in addition to avoiding all those other traps and obstacles. Some enemies are, you have bats, and these guys are immune to the, the floor traps. Mm-hmm. So they can fly over those things. They also move a little bit quicker. There's uh, slimes which are like the babies to the giant slime boss. Mm-hmm. And these guys are green. So you mentioned the red one, uh, the big guy was... Yeah. So, he, so that's why they didn't make him green, because the little guys are green. Oh, I see. And these guys are they're sort of like lemmings. They're totally stupid. They'll, they'll fall, they'll jump right off a ledge. They don't know what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're funny, though. And um, the little like slime trail they leave, it just slows you down. It doesn't kill you. It doesn't um, take health off like the boss does. Mm-hmm. There's spiders. Uh, spiders you get a little bit later on. These guys, uh, similar to the slimes, will leave a little like spider cobweb trails. And if you step on that, that'll also slow you down. The spiders are much smarter than the slimes, though. They're not going to just aimlessly jump into <laughs> you know, a pit and kill themselves. Or into like a fireball or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also other guys like orcs and skeletons, which might require more than one hit to kill. Which uh, gets a little tricky, the way this game plays to hit an enemy more than once. You often can't stay in one spot because when you go to attack, it'll attack back. So you have to make sure you jump backwards. Hmm. So stuff like that you got to keep in mind. And uh, like I said also, there's gold coins that you can find in the dungeon. And there's different ways that you can grab them. One thing is just randomly scattered around. But there's also, when you kill certain enemies, they'll appear. Mm-hmm. And then also there's treasure chests on some boards. And if you go up to the treasure chest and open it up, there'll be, uh, as long as it's not a trap, there'll be gold coins. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get 500 gold pieces, you can redeem them in the capsule machine. 
sort of like how Crossy Road works. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the capsule machine's funny because it's like this, you know, one of those, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You but, put your coin in and then it'll be like series one collection. You of, turn the knob. It almost looks like a toy, like a blind box toy. Mm-hmm. And it shows you the box and, you know, the characters you can get. And then it reveals the character that you you won. Mm. There's uh, probably, I think there's like 35 characters or something in all this, quite a bit. And there is a screen where you can kind of preview all the characters in the game. Or, or you can actually buy them outright if you want. But if you don't want to wait for the gold coins. So that's where the in-app purchases come in. If you don't want to keep collecting. Because you got to get 500 coins. That's not bad, though. Uh, the coins come in pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. i got to say, it's pretty generous. I found... I probably have about eight characters already, I think. Mm-hmm. So you can earn coins by collecting them in the stage. You can also watch ads in between every playthrough. It'll say, do you want to watch an ad to earn 100 coins? You know. Oh, okay. So I usually do that because I'm, I'm usually like watching TV or something, and I just look away for, you know, <laughs> while the ad's playing. Uh-huh. Or actually watch those ads. So, yeah, I found that to be not a problem. It, did, it didn't bother me. The enemies, the characters that you unlock... They do have different fight patterns, like the, uh, some will have like ranged weapons, some will have blunt objects that they hit with, or melee attacks. Mm-hmm. So each character has its kind of plus, plus and minuses. Some characters will have less hearts, like so your health meter is much shorter, but it might have a stronger attack. Mm-hmm. They might move a little quicker. So you got to kind of play with them and see which ones you like to play with more. I found that... They all feel like kind of, even though they have noticeable differences, I feel like the ones with the the more hearts are the better ones to play with because I feel like, because you can't find hearts in the game, that's one thing, they don't give you heart containers anywhere. So mm-hmm. to me, health is most important. But if you want to give yourself a challenge, you pick someone maybe who has like one heart to start with, you know, mm. and that way one hit and you're dead. So it <laughs> makes it a little bit harder. I think the queen is one of those characters. You're just by yourself, right? There's no party of characters or anything, right? There are no party characters that I've seen yet. They didn't nothing like that. No, it's just you. And nobody, you. nobody can join you and help you out. No, mm-hmm. no, you're solo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as far yeah, I don't recall anything like. I mean, that. that's one thing that could offset the. No, the only thing that was nice about the way the levels let us set up. On the, on the way to, for the enemies trying to get you, they'll get caught in the traps and kill themselves by accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like that, works in your favor. Okay. This uh, they they added like little achievements and goals, like they set for you for every time you play, give you like more an incentive to play. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, it'll be they'll say like collect twenty gold pieces, light ten torches. Um, you can if you can defeat ten bosses, stuff like that. And if you if you do achieve, they usually give you three goals. If you do all three, then they'll reward you with more gold coins. So it's another incentive to just keep playing over and over. Mm-hmm. You do have to wait about five hours once you do the three goals for them to give you another set of goals again. Oh, really? Yeah. So or you can watch an ad, and then <laughs> then they'll instantly give you another three goals. So uh-huh. that's kind of how they're monetizing this game because it's free, which. To me, it's all fine. Like, by the time I play enough games to achieve those three goals, I'm usually, like, good. I'm like, ah, eh, I'm fine. You know, this is, like, a quick type of game. You play for a couple of minutes, and then, you know, you can come back to it later on or the next day or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of it. You know, these are simple games. Uh, sort of quick, you know, play in the bathroom or something, you know? <laughs> I like it. Uh, but some of the things I don't like about it is the controls. 
even though I think what they did was the way they incorporated the controls are better than a D-pad. I, I would rather, first of all, I, I wish it had MFI support so I can use my control pad to play and I can have a dedicated button. And I, I feel like because you're swiping to move and also swiping to attack the enemy, like you're long, you have to you have to do like a long hold down on the screen and then swipe. Yeah. That, even though it's like a, a half a second pause and you really don't know like when is the good time to attack? Like, did I wait long enough? Or when I when I do my swipe, am I just going to jump into the enemy? So a lot of the times, I thought I, I I held the like my finger down on the screen enough and then swiped, but it wasn't, and then I ended up like jumping into the enemy. Mm. Or sometimes the enemy is so quick that by the time you're waiting for your character to like get into that fight it, uh, stance, yeah, the enemy already hits you because I was I was wondering long. if that was going to happen. That that's a lot of so most of the time I died was because of stuff like that, mm. and that sort of annoys me. Especially once you get later on when the game speeds up a little bit and the enemies take more than one hit, so it's a little bit trickier. So that's sort of a pretty big complaint I have about the game. But any control support would be great, or adding just an attack button in addition to the swipe would be. I'm surprised they don't have controller support at this point. It's pretty common in a lot of games. Yeah, I know. There's there's over a thousand games already that use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what? Also, you need to make up for this. Three uh, D touch. Three D touch. I don't know <laughs> if it uses it. From what I'm reading on that three D touch, that's a feature that I do like. Yeah. I don't have an. I don't own an iPhone six or anything. Right. It's not on iPads yet. Anyway. It's not on any iPads. No. Mm-hmm. So, from what I've read, very few apps use it. Right. Even, like, non-gaming apps. Other than, like, the big ones, like Facebook, maybe, or Instagram. Mm. Like, that's about it. Otherwise, and Apple's own apps. No one really takes advantage of that. So, maybe what they need to do, then, is uh, some kind of on-screen visual to let it let you know that you're ready to attack. Like, that you... Right. The maybe game, he can... The game's acknowledged like a, that you've held it. A color it. change or something. Yeah, like right. a little green light or something. Mm-hmm. Something to indicate, you know, ready to do your attack move. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they... They've been updating it quite often. Like, almost like every three days I've seen some kind of, like, bug fix or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something they'll incorporate. I know they already, like, changed some of the difficulty in some parts. Right. So hopefully, I don't know. I, I maybe they don't even know about it. Like I guess if enough people complain to them, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if I'm just the only one who experiences that. Who knows? I also don't like the name Ludi. I think that is kind of. I think it's misleading. Like when I think when I first heard of this game, and I saw it, and it looked great, and then I was like, oh, Ludi Dungeon. I immediately thought of like Diablo, yeah. where it's like, oh, this is gonna be a loot collecting game, you know? Uh-huh. And other than like the gold, there's no loot. I guess that's where they're considering the loot to be. But I think of, like, swords and armor and, you know, magic or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's none of that. You know, it's just gold pieces. Just gold, huh? So to me, like, when I think of a loot dungeon, I I think of something a little bit more larger than one. More items to pick through. Yeah. You know, like Diablo. I mean, there's stuff falling all over the place, you know. (laughs) Items to grab everywhere. They should have called it Booty Dungeon. Booty, dun- like booty dungeon. Maybe that was their like, like, like you know, like a pirate's booty. Like that's right. the, that's their but treasure. Maybe that would have got flagged in Apple's approval process. That's true for booty. Yeah, that could have negative connotations. Where, where Ludi sounds more like a kid, sort of, <laughs> you know, fa- family friendly. <laughs> uh huh. Maybe, but booty makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's all about the context, right? Yeah. Well, sort of like what I just said. I think a full vert, like a 
a more expansive version of this game mm -hmm. would be really cool with like the controller support and maybe like Zelda some levels would have a little puzzle element maybe add more doors so you don't always have to just go for the door across the room mm -hmm. just like a little bit more variety in some things um, you know weapon upgrades and stuff because right now the only way you'd upgrade your attack or anything like that would be to choose a different character that's it mm -hmm. so I think this could be like a potentially really awesome game if they just you know maybe if they charge for it or something but I don't know as it stands right now, it's a quick crossy road type, you know, play for a couple of minutes and then right. put it down sort of thing. But I, I love it. I don't know. I've been playing it nonstop all week. Okay. Yeah. I think I'll have to try it. It's free, so... Exactly. Give it a try, see if it's stupid or not. Yeah. <laughs> is that, <laughs> it is might that... seem a little babyish. I don't know. I, I think it's fun. I like the look of it. Uh-huh. Is that the criteria, stupid or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should be my segment on the show. Uh-huh. Stupid or not. <laughs> I can see that. I'll, I'll be the, the subject matter, probably. When we... <laughs> That's not fair. So what about you? Have you been playing anything else? I played a couple of things this week, actually. Yeah. I I, um, I did play a game, uh, but I also noticed that there are a couple of betas going on. There's a right. couple of, right. a couple yeah. of games being uh, test-driven at the moment. One that we both played. Uh, yeah, there's... I mean, there's... The Doom uh, open beta going on, which I had played previously, and uh, I thought it was um, interesting, but I don't know if it's enough to grab me. I think in with Doom in particular, I'm, I'm mostly interested in the single-player experience, this, the campaign mode of the game. Um, and so far, the, t the beta tests have just been the multiplayer arena type oh, stuff. Oh, has it been? I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. So, so it had to be online to do the beta test? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's against you know you you join up the game, so, you enter uh, a lobby, you wait for players, and then it becomes like a little arena deathmatch kind of a thing. Doom one and two, I know you you like those games. That's right. You played those. Yeah. Now Doom three, did you ever even play that one, or you didn't I, care for that one? Actually, right? actually, I never got around to Doom three. You're right. Okay. Yeah. That so, had the whole flashlight con controversy in the beginning. <laughs> initially, yeah. Now, because because this game looks a little bit like more visually to me, like mm -hmm. three. Yeah, which, I mean, well, one and two was like pixels and stuff. But, exactly. So you really can't compare. I, but just the style, like they're very dark. And... Yeah, I'm fine with it. I don't, okay. I don't, I, I don't mind the art style. And and the reason I never played Doom Three was I think I was just, it was just one of those times when I was between, like PC upgrades or something. Mm. Like I like I had a PC at the time and I didn't think it was good enough to run Doom. And I'm like, I'll save this for when I get my new machine. I'll, I'll you wait. You never went back to it. And then I just never, it just passed me by. I never, I I never got why. back to it. Yeah. I mean, it did come out on, on like the Xbox. Yeah, that's what I bought it on. Um, but I don't know. I, for me, that's a PC thing. So I, I did start it and I got maybe an hour or two into it. And for some reason, I never finished it. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why. Yeah. So I know there was that whole flashlight thing. Uh, yeah. Switching between I, your flashlight and your weapon. That's supposed to create more of like a tense atmosphere. Right. But um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't experience it firsthand, so I don't know mm. if it was really a valid concern or not. But I know they eventually patched it out. They did. Yeah, I think by the time I, I picked it up on Xbox, it mm -hmm. was already a non-issue. Right. Right. So, so this beta. Now, I, I wanted to get in on this beta, but I don't know how I missed it. Did they? Did you have to sign up on an email or something? Or the previous one that I played in, I did have to sign up. Uh, I think uh, they had it as like a. Kind of like a an early access thing. If you bought one of their other games, I think I'm not really sure what they tied it to. It was another Bethesda game that they 
that was, uh, you know, you qualified for the Doom beta if you bought this game. And I don't think I did that part, but somehow I got into it anyway. I think they were looking to add more players beyond the initial wave. So they wanted to stress test their servers even more. So they okay. wanted to get more people online at the same time. So it was PC only, though, right? It wasn't uh, I think it might have been on consoles, really? too. Okay. might have been. I yeah. I know I heard about it. I just didn't know it was, like, mm. here, you know? And <laughs> yeah. Next thing I know, it's like, oh, it's already past the date, I think. Right. Well, I th- this might be the final one before the game's release. I know they're, they're, oh, it's okay. coming pretty soon. Um, but I didn't have time for that one this week, actually. Uh, there was another game that, that was also open. Wait, so you did, but you did play it. I, I played it previously. I played it on their last oh, run okay. through, but I didn't play it this week. Okay. The other game that, that I did play is, uh, Gearbox's new game. Which we, yeah, we both played this one. Battleborn. Uh, Battleborn. Mm-hmm. And... And good thing you alerted me on this, because I also missed out on this. <laughs> I, I, like the very last minute I had to download it and, yeah. and give it a try. It's it's an open beta. Anybody can jump in and grab it and uh-huh. try it out. On the PS4, I played. I don't know what you tried it on. I did it on PC. Okay. Yeah, so if this is from Gearbox, also makers of Borderlands. Mm-hmm. So that was... Usually I don't play these beta games. I like to play the finished product. I don't sure. want to... I don't... They're not paying me to test games, so I don't see why I should be their tester. You know, that's how I feel. But mm-hmm. I am a big fan of the Gearbox stuff and... I was thinking about maybe getting this, but I, you know, I figured the way I looked at it was this was a demo I can play <laughs> and see if I want to buy this game or not. Right. So I thought this uh, had a, a really a lot of that Borderlands feel to it mm-hmm. with the way like the kind of goofy dialogue and just even like the, the visual elements too. Right. Of like your objects that you can, like the loot you pick up has that same visual look. The controls feel the same mm-hmm. as like a Borderlands game. I, I thought it looked really good. I, I had fun. I did one. I did one single player stage. Yeah, from start to finish. Right. There were co- so there are a couple of modes available. There's like uh, it's sort of broken up into either what they call public game, a public campaign, uh-huh. uh, a private one where you're just in single player mode. Um, but public is where you know you have other players that that can join in on your mission. And there's also a player versus player. A PvP... Like a battle kind of thing. ...element, mm-hmm. right. And I think... So this game, the way it differs from Borderlands, I think, is it's less it's less story-oriented. It's a little more, you know, kind of competitive. And They're, uh, they're calling it like a MOBA-like, I guess. Mm-hmm. A MOBA... Which I- be, a, MOBA, a MOBA being a... What is a MOBA? Uh, it's called a multiplayer in, online... In a, in a MOBA. It's like a... <laughs> it's, not, it's not a paramecium okay. or, a, uh, or any kind of uh, subatomic organism or uh-huh. anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> not subatomic, but, you know, microscopic. Microscopic, sure. Uh, no, mo- MOBA means uh, multiplayer online battle arena. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and That's like a League of Legends or something. League of Legends and, uh, never, and I, Dota are considered like the, the main right. games of this um, genre. Yeah, that's, I'm unfamiliar with that whole and, and to me, those games look like 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 starcraft or something like that but but it's more of like uh it could be it's it's multiplayer so there's many many players playing at once in the same space Mm -hmm. and uh you know you have different characters they have different weapons or different styles of attack or magic and you know you're trying to capture points on the map and things like that and that's not a really a game style or or a play style that i'm familiar with the games that i've seen that do do that they're mostly like in an isometric point of view. 
but this one is a first person game and, f- and and it's a first person shooter first and foremost right uh battleborn is like looks like you know you're you're playing in the map rather yeah, than yeah. from above mm-hmm, that's true so there's that so that's one key difference uh but i think it's supposed to blend elements of of a moba style game with the fps gameplay yeah so i didn't get to play the pvp stuff at all i, I th- did not either uh, but I did play both. So there's two campaigns that are available, two missions or okay. two scenarios, however you want to break it down. Mm-hmm. And you said you did, you did one of them. I did one in single player only. Yeah. And so I played two. I played both of them. And I played um, uh, I played the same, the same two that are available in multiplayer mode as well mm-hmm. with like, you know, four other players. I think you form a squad of five players and you take on, you know, the same, the same missions. Uh, and I think there's supposed to be nine of those, or eight or nine, when the game finally ships. Which I think they take, it depends on what, how you play, but it take between, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it took me about an hour and a half mm-hmm. to do the mission, but I, that was by myself. So right. I had to like constantly be going, like, hiding, ducking, covering, you know, to yeah. kill enemies, because, you know, I'm not strong enough. But where you play team-based... Mm-hmm then it was a little bit easier because as you're recharging your shield, you know, ducking, your friends are, or your people you played with were attacking. So it sped things up a little bit. It did. It definitely kept things moving. Um, And not only that, but there's different classes of of players that you can pick. So there's some are are offense, some are more defense-based, and some are healers, you know. So that certainly helped when... um, you know, the big strong guy on our team is in the front beating up enemies and taking damage. The healer's behind him, helping him stay alive and, and restoring his health. He doesn't have as much downtime. He doesn't have to walk away from the battle and recharge. He just keep going. He just mm. keep pressing forward. And the other nice thing is if you do get if you do get defeated, if you die during the combat, you can use a life to kind of revive yourself. But you can also call for help if you're on a squad, and a teammate can come over and and, re, and like revive you. Oh, okay, so that's pretty common in a multiplayer. Yeah, so that's shooter. that's yeah. pretty good. And then you know, just achieving things during your mission, you earn lives so that you can resume if you you know, like let's say you start off with one or two lives. I'm not sure what the starting point is, but I know by the end of the mission, I had like eight lives or something available. Oh wow! That I could come back with if I needed to. But uh, I, I, it does look like a Borderlands type of game, but yeah. but sort of not quite. You know, it's like a no. little bit different. So, yeah, when I started it, I went into it playing it like a Borderlands game, and you can't because mm-hmm. the enemies were too tough. And even though you have, you get unlimited ammo, which is nice, but right. it doesn't play like Borderlands. Like, you have to think, it's more of a more strategy involved. Mm-hmm. Can't just like run in, and just like start shooting everything. <laughs> right. I, I learned that the hard way because <laughs> I kept dying in the beginning. Uh huh. It does feel like, like this whole mission structure, the way mm-hmm. the campaign plays out, it does feel like, like a little side mission from Borderlands. Like it's as if a side mission from Borderlands has been lifted out mm, and does. like made kind of its own little it's game. True. You know, where you just you kind of have a starting point. You have like waypoints that you work through uh, to ultimately get to some end goal which could be like a boss encounter or something like that yeah yeah there were a few boss encounters and and between each little segment there's like the little pop-up animation of the guy talking to you Mm -hmm. you know which is very reminiscent of there's a lot of narration yeah yeah which is nice yeah i thought i'm so i picked a character that 
that seemed like it would appeal to me. <laughs> I picked uh, this mechanical-looking guy who is sort of like steampunkish a little bit. He's sort of he's sort of like this English gentleman type, but he's got um, the main attraction for me was the fact that he's tattered as a sniper type of uh, character. Okay. Um, so he's you know got a like long-range rifle that can hit a lot of uh, targets with strongly. Probably not as Probably doesn't have as much health as other characters. So you just park yourself in the corner and then just keep sniping enemies? I'll do that as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, you know, before I start come, come into an area and I see that there's enemies up ahead, I'll, I'll definitely play like that. See, yeah. I mean, you have a little mini-map in the corner, mm-hmm. which has, like, little red dots on it showing you where all the enemies are. So uh, you probably can avoid any kind of ambush situation that way for the most part. And it'll also help me just find enemies so I can pick them out if I, if I want to try to snipe a few beforehand. But as soon as you start shooting, they're on to me anyway. And you know, as soon as I start opening it fire, you, yeah. they, 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 come, they start running towards me. So. Yeah, I, I went with the army guy because mm-hmm. I just like to go in and blow stuff up. Yeah. But after doing that, I didn't know that you couldn't find different guns and stuff. So I was thinking like Borderlands, mm. you can always find like a sniper rifle or something, you know, and switch. Yeah. But this, you're stuck with your weapon, so... Uh, it ended up not being long range enough to knock guys out quick. So a lot of that's what took me so long. I, a lot of times, as soon as you go out to hit somebody, you have like four other guys hitting you, and you have to like run out of the way while, while your shield, you know, because your shield gets depleted, so you have to wait for it to recharge. Right. So the sniper guys, at least in the beginning, or if you're playing solo, is probably the better choice. Uh, I maybe I, I, don't know. I just like to play in that style. Uh huh. But I also keep moving too, so yeah, I try not to get hit. <laughs> that is usually a good idea for yeah. staying alive. <laughs> good tip. <laughs> right. Uh, the other thing is you do have some secondary abilities beyond just the gun you have. Mm-hmm. You have uh, usually some other... So Usually you have two other abilities that can go along with it. And then like a super weapon that has a very long recharge you can only use every now and then, every once in a while. Um, and all and those 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 extra abilities do have like a timer on them. They have like, like a, a cool, a cool, down. Yeah. cool down period where you know it takes time to rebuild the that you know the ability to use it again. Uh, so in my case, the guy that I had has like a little um, owl like pet that he can throw out that will attack enemies for him. The the top hat guy that yeah he okay yeah and he's 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 also got like a little trap that he can lay down where I think. Uh, like time slows down inside the bubble, so enemies that are in there are slowed, and there's upgrades that that you get as you go along, and you can add new abilities or shorten the amount of time things take, things like that. So it is possible to add that, add like a little damage to that as well. There's quite a a, amount, a large amount of characters. Was like fifteen maybe. It's a big, huge, giant roster. Yeah, and they're all really detailed and cool looking. They're all very different. Yeah. They're all kind of very unique. Uh, I, I like the amount of choice they give you in terms of that. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of the reason why there's maybe only nine scenarios or something. There's there's like the nine scenarios and then there's, which, you know, I'm sure they're going to add more as time goes on. But yeah, I already saw there's a section for shift codes. Uh-huh. So, you know, okay. uh, Randy Pitchford's going to be on Twitter. He's going to be tweeting codes, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of codes out. still doing that with Borderlands 2. <laughs> I'm amazed. That's great. I even saw like someone responded to one of his Twitter things that said like you're still sending out Borderlands to like to Randy Pitchford. Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, it's funny because the shift codes are what Gearbox puts out as like little, you know, just little perks that you can add into the game and 
and redeem for an extra weapon or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's at least there's at least three different ways, three different sources for shift codes. There's Randy Pitchford himself, who's the head of the studio. There's the, the official Gearbox Twitter. They also put up codes. Yes. And then also their Facebook page puts up codes. <laughs> That's right. So if you keep an eye on all those things, you can continually get codes every week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's quite a, quite a, enough to go around. That's right. I don't know. The impression I get from the game, though, is that you're meant to replay these scenarios with all the different characters you know, get in with friends, you know, figure out the best ways to get through some of these challenges. In a way, it's a lot like what I experienced playing MMO games where you had a raid scenario where... Like a Warcraft or something? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the different games that I played, I, I, I didn't play World of Warcraft that, you know, ever, really. Okay, I've I'm, seen not, it. I'm not too... I played Warcraft, that's about all I've, mm-hmm. I think, in that style of game. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Yeah, the 3D one. Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. not, the, not the original. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, as they say. Well, right? it's it's, but it is that style where basically you get a party together, mm-hmm. you enter a dungeon or a you know scenario, and you know there's there's a big boss character, and there's things you have to do to be able to defeat that character. You know, like certain things might happen when the boss is at a certain level of health, and so on. So yeah, it's. But it's, you know, it's it's very casual, I feel. I feel like the whole style of this game is that it's very, very pick up and play. You don't really have to know anything ahead of time. The game pretty much tells you everything you need to know. And I, I don't know, I had a good time with it. I don't know, it's, even after that, all that, though, I'm not quite sure I'm going to get this game. Mm. At least not, maybe not at launch. I might wait okay. a little while just all to right. see how things play out with it. Yeah, I'm sort of feeling the same way, only because I don't play multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Usually, so I'm thinking like the single player campaign. I'm probably going to get through this game pretty quick, right? And I don't know if I don't know if I want to spend sixty dollars on a or or fifty even whatever it is with the discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely feels like the multiplayer aspects are going to be the focus of this game, mm. and I don't really have a problem with that per se. But I'm not. That's not. Uh, I'm not looking to have another game where. I log in every day and I play through it just to see what's new or meet up with friends on a game. I feel like that takes away too much from the other games I want to play. Yeah. Maybe if it gets kind of cheap or if there's a lot more content down the road, maybe I'll, con- I'll consider jumping in then. Yeah. Uh, but for launch, I might hold back a little bit. Yeah, I agree. We'll but see. I think that if I didn't have anything else going on right now to mm-hmm. play, I'd probably go on it go in on it. Right. I, th- I think it seems pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, was that it for the, the betas? <laughs> the betas? Uh, yeah. Actually, I feel like there was one more, but I'm going to... I know. It's like, doesn't why, come to mind. like two in one week? It's so strange. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's around that time. They're getting close to launch, both of them. Yeah. Before E3, because they got more games to announce. That's <laughs> right. Uh, but I did spend time on another game. Okay, dipping into the archives this time? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Decided to play another arcade game this week. Okay. A game that I do remember fondly from... Plug in the old cabinet? (laughs) Plug in my main cabinet? Yeah. I don't actually have one. It would be nice, but... uh, You did use a joystick, though, didn't you? I did. Okay. I did. Gotta keep it real. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I I played uh, Alien Syndrome, and this is... uh, I, I suffer from that. (laughs) <laughs> from alien syndrome yes, I do. you've gone to the pharmacy and you said what do you got what for me looking? i've got alien syndrome 
Yes, they, they usually don't take me serious. <laughs> they, a, as like everyone else does. They, they, they call security at that yeah. <laughs> Well, this is a Sega game from 1986 or so. Wow, is it that late? Uh, yeah, it's... Hmm. Um, the, I mean, actually, the, the version that I played, the copyright on screen said 1987, but I think the oh first version of the game came out in 86. That's nuts. <laughs> really? I always thought it was like an 83 game or something. The graphics just seemed... I don't know. Too old. A little simpler. Yeah. Especially because it was out on Sega Master System. Mm-hmm. And I always think of that as like 84, 85, you know, in Japan. So, and I thought that was a launch title. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Well, uh, it's it's actually, I think uh, it's I think it's a, six, a System 16 board. Um, oh, like Shinobi. So yeah, so it's basically the same hardware as games like Shinobi and uh, Golden Axe mm. and uh, you know Altered Beast. It's around what that about same vintage. Alien Soldier. Uh, no, is that what it's called? No, Alien Storm. Alien Storm. Alien Storm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that game. Mm. Is that you a, get to know it? Is that a Genesis game? Put it on your list. No, it's an arcade. <laughs> well, it's both, but really, it's an arcade game. Hmm. It also has Alien in the title, and it's by Sega. Okay. It's all right, but it's interesting. <laughs> Uh huh. I'll uh, I'll see. You should though. You should it. give it a try. If you like Golden Axe, it's another of that type of game, mm-hmm. but with aliens. Okay. And, and aliens that hide in mailboxes. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember this game playing it in the in the late eighties, but I never really got that far. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed like a pretty tough game at the time. But so you were young, so now you're older. <laughs> now I can, I, I'm a little more sophisticated. Your skills, I'm, yeah. I'm a more sophisticated game player than I was back mm-hmm. then, and I feel like I can approach it with, a, you know, a fresh mind and, and to see what it's all about. So when you first played this, did you think, oh, this is like Robotron? Uh, not really. Only because I didn't, I didn't have the twin stick control. So that that that's a necessity for me for me to really want to play it. This is before Smash TV. I'm pretty sure. Smash TV was like 90, right? Um, 89 hmm. or something. I think that was much later on. I think or it was. was it might have been 90s, actually. 90 and Total Carnage was like a year later, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. The action in this game is presented from an overhead perspective. Uh, sort of, I guess, maybe in the spirit of Gauntlet, for example. It's not quite as mazy oriented as, as Gauntlet would be. It's not quite as so many pathways. Um, but you sort of run around the map. Do you have to save keys to open doors? Uh, no, luckily. Okay. Luckily not. You save, uh, captives to open the exit door. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's similar. (laughs) So it's similar in that respect. Uh, you have to run around the map and you have to rescue, uh, captives. Uh, you get the opportunity to pick up some weapons and some power-ups and, uh, most importantly to slay the aliens because they've infested the various uh, you know dungeons and maps that you're you're getting through. Uh, definitely, the music is very suitable for the style of game. It's very creepy and atmospheric, and it gives you like this dread like feeling of what am I going to run into next. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the setup for the game. Basically, it says uh, in the year 1990x, sometime in the future. That, that's already passed. <laughs> exactly. Okay. When the space colony was first established, aliens from the nearby planet called Alpha invaded the spaceships. This is all from the arcade flyer, by the way. Okay. (laughs) Uh, An urgent message has been received uh, from Earth 
reading, rescue your captured comrades aboard the spaceships and then blast the crafts and their alien occupants out of the galaxy. So that's pretty much all you really need to know. Uh, very uh, metallic alien digitized voice announces the title of the game. And uh, I guess, you know, it was cool. It's always cool to hear like voice sampling sure. in these games. Is it clear? It's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, Sega was doing that in all their games at that time. Space Harrier, Ultra Beast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this game does support co-op multiplayer, which seems like it would be fun. Never played it that way. Oh, but so there were two sticks on the arcade yeah, version? Yeah, so okay. it was two sticks, uh, two sets of controls, um, which is just, you know, movement, eight-way joystick with a fire button. Mm-hmm. That's all you really need. Uh, there's a choice of two characters. Uh, one of them is named Ricky. He's a seasoned veteran and renowned alien exterminator. And the other is Mary, a space fighter noted for her strategic skills. Uh, so naturally... Any difference between the two? Or uh, they no. play the same? Okay. They should play exactly the same. But I did play using the female character in... She's got a yellow jumpsuit. Uh, I wanted to capture that Ripley effect. Right, that's true, right? <laughs> you know? Okay. Uh, because, you know... This game, I think, uh, Aliens had come out that year in 1986. That's the sequel to That's Alien. That's the sequel to Alien. There's definitely a very strong Alien influence in this game, from the art in the marquee to a lot of the creatures that you fight. There is a, a wide variety of, of, of Alien creatures, but definitely on one stage you, you do see what's clearly a uh, very Xenomorph-inspired uh, type of, uh, of Alien uh, enemy. To be honest, her, her yellow jumpsuit probably reminds me more of April O'Neil than anything That's else. That's what I thought when I saw it, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny you said that. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe the fact that Ripley also controlled, like, a yellow power loader at the end of, of Aliens uh-huh. that kind of gave me that, that impression. So, I'm told, you know, you get a little text screen that says, Your mission, your comrades have been captured by the aliens. Destroy the enemy and rescue them. That seems So, these aliens pretty capture... Your comrades, but they don't kill them. They just uh, well, an alien. They they capture them oh, they to use them as hosts or something, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So yeah, there's some. It is kind of funny though because as you're playing, some of your comrades are like they're tra- you see them trapped in what looks like some kind of webbing or a cocoon or something like that. You have to free them from, and then others are just standing there waving, like, like <laughs> waiting for you to pick them up. Like, Sup? What's that? <laughs> right. What's going on? It's like, Hey, over here, party's over here. You know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but you get, you know, like as soon as you get that, that initial screen, you're shown, uh, various types of ships or, you know, you see like a view of all the different stages that you have to work through. Um, you know, rounds one through six, and you see different ship designs. And there's also like a ship in the center without any kind of label on it. Uh, so the first one, it looks like kind of like a chainsaw to me. The ship looks like it's in the shape it of does, a chainsaw. It? Yeah. it just has that look to it. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Um, and it tells you, you know, the voice comes in again and tells you the time bomb is set. <laughs> you know, it comes in a very kind of grim sort of sound because. Because the the ship has been infested by all these aliens, gotta blow it up. Time bomb's been set to to blow up the ship, and your mission is to get get all your you know. That's how you get rid of roaches in your house too. Right, Just get rid of everything. Guess at that time bomb. Level it. <laughs> so the goal is to rescue ten comrades, and get to the exit after that. 
I usually try for more if I can. Oh, there's more than 10? I think there's like at least 16 total. Oh, okay. Um, they don't get killed or anything, but it's just that, you know, I, I think you only have so much time. Well, if you exit and don't collect them all, then they'll die in the explosion. It's true. They do. It's very sad. Now, in the first in the first round, the aliens are kind of just these pink worm-like creatures. Mm-hmm. They look like kind of like silly, silly Putty to me. Um, they kind of wiggle around very quickly and can split and multiply, I think. I think I saw them doing that a couple of times. And there's also green versions, which will stop and like throw like a like a ball of goop at you or something. There's actually a couple of different weapons that can be used. So these are the weapon power-ups. There's like power-up stations throughout the map that you can stop at and pick up like a new weapon. Uh, there's a few to pick from. There's uh, FB for fireball. And that kind of creates like just sort of like, a, it's not quite a cone in front of you, but... Uh, it's fairly large, the fireball, so you can hit, you know, your aim doesn't have to be quite as good. You start off with like a very basic pea shooter style pistol, uh, which isn't bad, but any of these power-ups are better than that one. The next option is a F for flamethrower, which is pretty Mm self-explanatory. L for laser, which can shoot through multiple targets. So that's usually a good one to have. Uh, there's a couple of specialty ones. Well, actually, there's one more, really, uh, called uh, Bomb. And that one is sort of like a grenade launcher. It sort of fires in an arc and, you know, lands and causes a, a an area of explosion. So when you pick up a new weapon, you lose your old weapon? Or does that go, like, into your inventory? Uh, it just replaces the current weapon. Okay. So if you have a good weapon and then you accidentally or, or you intentionally pick up something yeah you're like well this weapon stinks can i have my old weapon back <laughs> right it's you, too have late. To, you have to find another one. Oh wow okay. yeah yeah you can't go back another of the power-ups available is uh o for option and what that does is that adds a little like kind of robotic helper buddy that follows you around yeah it does and uh, he kind of shoots behind me kind of shoots in the opposite direction of wherever i'm firing and kind of uh, not, he doesn't quite have the same fire rate but, you know, he'll fire occasionally, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always has just a bullet type. He doesn't He doesn't pick up the same type of weapon that you have. So if you pick up a new weapon, he's still firing the, the bullets from behind. I'm trying to find the origin of the term option mm-hmm. when it comes to video games. Why is that little helper drone thing that follows you, why is it called an option? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good question. There must be the answer out there. I need to just... (laughs) We've got to find out which game used it first. As far as I know, Gradius, but I don't know if... Mm -hmm. I mean, if it was Gradius, why did they call it option? Like, why? How does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Might be just a... Might be equivalent to some word in Japanese that is used as uh, something like that. And that's how they translated it. Perhaps. Yeah, uh, so as far as the, the little robot helper, it's possible to get two of them. And uh, if you pick up option, you still you already have this, the two, then it doesn't do anything. You don't do anything to lose these guys either, other than, I think, uh, if you lose a life. You might You might lose them. I'm not actually sure. And now those are found the same way you find the weapons, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just along the walls. Uh, the other thing you have is a map on the wall. So... Uh, there is no type of mini-map or real-time map of the level that you're on. You go up to one of these map terminals, and it shows you kind of the general layout of the whole 
uh, level, and it also shows you the position of the remaining captives, the ones that you haven't picked up yet. Some of the wall terminals also have a question mark on them, which is just like points. So I might run into one of those and just get like 3,000 points or 5,000 or something like that. Um, Now, ideally, I try to move in a pattern that's going to bring me to the exit by the time I pick up the right amount of captives. This way you don't have to like backtrack. To go from point A to point B. Yeah. Straight without zigzagging or backtracking. I try to do it that way. I try to like approach the map in like kind of a counterclockwise direction. When you're looking at the map, is the timer still clicking down or uh yeah oh wow Mm -hmm. i think you start off with 150 seconds if i remember Uh, i think that's what i think that every level has that if i if i remember right now you know as soon as you collect the right amount it'll tell you head to the exit like the voice comes in and tells you like you know you're you're done here you can you can you can quit Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'll still try to pick up a few extra ones if i can if nothing else they're they're extra points and what do they do they just run off or do they follow you or disappear uh they just disappear yeah yeah so you don't have to lead them out or anything of course once you do exit the level there's a boss encounter that's that follows every level every level okay and uh the first one is with this kind of this lumpy sort of biomass looking thing with like a large yellow head (laughs) on it and a smaller green head and an arm growing out of its side. So it's really grotesque. Uh, This boss is known as the Hugger. (laughs) Actually, the boss characters in general are called Master Aliens. That's how the flyer uh, promotes the the boss encounters in the game. That sounds horrifying. Mm -hmm. Now, this creature has like this, kind of like this slit in the middle of its body, and it fires off these red slugs. And uh, the head can spit out this green spit. <laughs> it's really horrible. But uh, the slugs can be destroyed, but the spit has to be avoided. And this thing can only be damaged when the, sp- when the slit in its front opens up. So that's where I have to aim. After a while, the body is destroyed, and then the smaller head just gets thrown at me. <laughs> but the main head continues and has a few more attacks to it. Uh, what it does is it kind of lunges out at me, and it extends its fangs out. Kind of like the way the alien xenomorph second mouth comes out. Mm-hmm. Kind of stretches out sure. like that and reminds me of that as well. Uh, the boss f- fight also has a t- a, the timer going as well. So it's not like... Is it the same timer? Uh, own? I think it adds time to whatever time is left. I think that's how it worked. Um, if I do start turn out of time, I get a caution warning and a voice starts counting down with 10 seconds left. If I end up completely running out of time, the whole screen will explode and a message says your mission has failed. Try again. Rescue your comrades. <laughs> Give me another quarter. You're right. I think you lose a life. Uh, oh, you do get lives. Okay. Yeah. Now, this, the thing is, though, the game doesn't give you any continues. Wow. Um, you get three lives and that's kind of it. <laughs> well, how many stages are there? There's, there's, uh, there's actually six on screen and then there's like a seventh final encounter after Uh that. Okay. The nice thing is that those little robot buddies and the weapon that you pick up does carry over to the boss fight. But on the first time I was stuck with a flamethrower and that was a little difficult actually because the flamethrower has a very short distance that it can hit. Uh, so trying to get close to the boss enough to use the flamethrower on him was was a little annoying, considering how much he was like throwing out at me. 
so a good distance weapon like the laser was more useful. Uh, so the next time I went into it, I did it use the laser instead. In round two, the environment is a little more military looking. Uh, there's a lot of like missiles like stacked around, and the aliens here look more like the actual xenomorphs from the alien movie, except they have like wings on their heads or something. I guess they have to change it a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> their behavior is a little different. They come in. They have different colors. So there's like pink ones and blue ones. They kind of wander around a bit. Uh, but there's green ones that home in right for me. So they come r- directly towards the player. I'm, I'm surprised that they actually were able to copy that alien look so closely. Mm-hmm. That even like a game like Xenophobe, where they look almost like just like sure. the alien movie. How did they get away with that back then? I guess they figured... They must have got super... Wow, this is a super popular movie. We need to capitalize on this. (laughs) In this stage also, there's pods that create the the green aliens. So these are almost like the the sort of the the piles of bones and gauntlet that create more ghosts or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, they keep like a spawning point. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like a spawn point. Those things can be destroyed, but I usually... Like, they take a long time, and it's not really worth it. The best strategy is to just keep going, (laughs) keep moving, you know? Uh, So the boss after this level is this pulsating mass of ooze, (laughs) like, kind of rotating in a ring. And it throws out these podlings. Um, The flamethrower is pretty effective against this one this time. It's used to keep the area around me clear, because it's very easy to just keep moving around in a circle. And, you know, it's used to burn through the layers of the ring to the center. I think after the second fight, I, I did realize that, you know, having the right weapon for the boss fight is kind of where the strategy in, in this game comes into play a little bit. I mean, the the levels themselves are pretty straightforward and not really all that challenging, but really the boss fight is where, um, I'd say, the meat of the action is. In round three, this looks like uh, sort of like more organic looking. So the floor has uh, a cell-like structure. There's large gaps connected with, you know, metal walkways. And the enemies are sort of these floating, like, starfish-looking things. And they sh- they shoot what look like a pair of eyes at me. Mm. So it looks like their eyes detach and get thrown <laughs> towards me. The The boss fight for this one was kind of kind of interesting. It was different from the other ones. So basically, there's like a there's like a wall of cells separating this the area that I start on on the left side of the screen from the boss itself, and the boss is sort of like a giant version of the starfish creatures, but it has like these claws that it walks on, and it has two eyes that fly around like separately, so they detach from its body and just fly around around it, and uh, it's slowly cr- crawling towards me. But meanwhile, there's this there's all these like, you know, these cells blocking me from reaching it directly. It's also like ejecting maggots out of its eye sockets. Nice. <laughs> great visual. Yeah, for sure. And the goal is to destroy all of its legs. That's what sort I'm of trying to do here, is try to, to try to immobilize it before it gets to me. Um, so the best approach for doing that was with that bomb weapon, because it shoots in an arc. I don't have to blow away the wall to reach the boss. I could just sort of shoot over it. Um, otherwise I'd have to burrow through the cells. And I tried doing that and that was not a good approach really. The problem is though, that because the bomb weapon fires in an arc, those maggots that it's shooting out, if they get inside the firing range, you're in trouble because there's not going to be enough distance for me to blow them away. 
you know, before they get to oh, me. Oh, because they're too close, right? Yeah, because mm. it keeps moving closer to That's me. That's tough. So uh, that one's very timing intensive. Just getting getting it immobilized before it's too close. That's really the key there. I, I'd say it's pretty much game over if that happens because you continue and he's like still left in that same position. Mm-hmm. And those maggots are still on the screen. So there's really no way to get rid of them with the weapon you have. Wow. Uh, so in round four, uh, the layout is sort of like a four leaf clover style. Uh, there's transparent floors that allow me to see the stars outside the ship. So it has kind of a nice parallax effect as I'm moving around. The enemies here are these sort of segmented worm-like creatures that emerge from, from pods as well. And definitely run and gun is the style you want to have for this map. The fireball weapon I found pretty effective. Um, however, for the boss, which reminds me of uh, sort of this squirming cuttlefish-looking creature, um, it's got tentacles that fire these green blobs, and it's got an antenna coming out of its head with like an electric orb at the end of it. Uh, this boss is actually named Minnow <laughs> on the arcade flyer. Oh, it actually has a name. They actually have a oh. name for some of the bosses. Oh. This one I thought was really tough. Uh, the goal was to shoot at its head. And at first I had the fireball weapon, but it was too hard to land the right shot while dodging all the stuff that it's throwing out at me. Uh, so ultimately I used the laser again. And because it has long range and because it could fire very quickly, I was able to, to hit it more consistently with that. I also noticed that, you know, like as you clear each level, you go back to the screen where it shows you each ship. Mm-hmm. I noticed that um, the ones that I completed have been like exploded. They have like a little cloud of debris that's there. So you get a little better sense of uh, progress as you're going through them all. Uh, in round five, <laughs> this stage is played th- through a layer of glass. So there's actually like a sh- it's almost like there's a sheet of glass in the foreground above the, the your viewpoint. So how does that affect the gameplay? Uh, it makes the visibility a lot more difficult, mm-hmm. actually. Because it, they kind of create this like reflection effect to make it look like um, you, you know you're looking through glass. And not to mention the enemies are these fast moving like slugs that, and some of them pop out of the floor directly. So it's very difficult. It's very easy to just keep walking and then you just run in right into an enemy as it's emerging. Uh, so the flamethrower seemed like it was a good fit for this level. Is the music changing on these levels, or is it still the slightly? Same? But okay. it's you know it's mostly like ambient yeah. style music. Yeah, not like a catchy right tune soundtrack no, or something. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. The boss fight was pretty unique for that for this level too. Uh, it was sort of like a game of whack a mole. There's like eight holes scattered throughout the floor, and these tentacles pop out of each one, and they kind of flick their tongue out. So you don't want to be within range of the tongue <laughs> when it comes out. Um, it turns out, though, that you don't really have to kill those tentacles. I mean, you can clear out a few of them, so you have sort of a safe spot to work from. But on the right side, there's this dragon head that pops out of the ground. And uh, he's, like, throwing eggs or something at me. I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> but um, if I have enough of a clear shot to kill the dragon head thing then that is enough to finish the stage. And for some reason, this one was was more of a, a race for time than the other ones. I think I didn't really have enough time left when I ended this this fight. So I had to really work really fast. I, I definitely got the 10-second the warning <laughs> before uh, I finished this one wow. off. That's close. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I should mention this game was, I mean, the only way I was able to get this far is I put, I put, and I played it on MAME, obviously, mm-hmm. and I put the game into uh, free play mode. So by putting it into free play, what happens is you just get unlimited lives. Oh, really? You, you don't get continues. So how do you, wait, is that a, a switch or something? How would you do that meme? Uh, you know, it's part of the dip switch configuration. Dip switch, okay. Yeah. Does, does every game have that, or it just depends on the game? Every game is different, so okay. who knows what the effect is going to be. Sure. But um, there's no, like, if you put it into free play, you don't get a game over or anything. It just keeps going. Like, if okay. you... It's like almost like unlimited lives. Right, right. In this case, in this game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty much. Nice cheating but i mean it was the only way to get through this because to be honest i don't know how anybody really beats this game otherwise uh, yeah. <laughs> but i was you know the whole reason i wanted to play this was just to be able to see how things go in this game because it starts off easily enough but i i started running into problems on level two normally so i'll just keep going with you know just uh, describing round six <laughs> next which you thought was the final round which you know looked like it was the final round because there were six ships on them on the screen and uh this one has uh organic looking passageways and the enemies are like the enemies are really vile in this one it looks like because it looks like you're in a creature of some kind probably are maybe the enemies here are piles of guts that ooze out of the walls like the walls open up and then like like a pile of like intestines or something comes towards you Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and they shoot out large bugs so they are they're emitting like bugs everything i hate Mm -hmm. they kind of look like mites or so there's some areas that are that are cut out in the floor so they kind of create a nice parallax effect but unfortunately you can fall into those areas you never want to actually fall into like a hole that'd be an instant death yeah okay Uh that's right you don't have a health meter right uh no it's tough so you see, like, kind of blue guts you know, in the layer below it, uh, I guess, giving you some a little more depth. Um, so, But this stage, though, is more of a maze. So the other stages, they're kind of free-roaming in the sense that you can move in most directions. Uh, this one, it's more of like uh, there's more progress, you know, like you have to work your way through to get to, I guess, the, li- the last area. Um, it also feels like it has a higher respawn rate than earlier rounds. Uh, seems like enemies come or come, you know are produced more more persistently. Uh, so the fireball worked pretty good here, since you know they go far and they're very large. Uh, the boss looks like he could be related to the one from the first stage. So it's another. Sort they get of, lazy and should recolor um, the first guy. It, not really, but it, they just look similar. <laughs> they have like the, that that head, mm. that human like head. But meanwhile, it's oh, disgusting. Is that the character on the flyer? Sort of, okay. yeah, yeah. You see, like a very similar look. Okay, but this time it's like kind of like a large crab-like creature that hops around, and he releases these homing centipedes, which come right, like right for me. And the goal is to hit it in its body in between its hops, but it's really difficult because those caterpillar things just come straight for me, and you pretty much have to spend all your time just dodging them. I mean, you can shoot them, but it takes time away from killing the boss. Hmm. So, again, laser worked pretty well here. I thought that was the best way to finish off this boss. But, of course, there was a round seven, you know, even though it wasn't quite indicated. And actually, that happens, like, the you know, on, on that screen, you see all six ships, and you see a shuttlecraft in the center, and it turns out the final battle is on your ship. 
much like Alien, yes, where Alien gets on, the alien creature gets onto, sneaks on, mm-hmm. you know, Ripley's escape ship, uh, but it doesn't look anything like that. Okay. <laughs> Is this another full stage of freeing your guys? Or no, it's, it's just fight? another. It's another boss fight directly. Okay. So this one is a large, grotesque head with, like, a lot of, like, exposed muscle all over it and, like, a large green brain. And its ears are actually detached from its head and, like, kind of, like, a, you know, extended to the sides. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a second head with horns on it, <laughs> like, on its face, where its, like, eyes should be. And that second head kind of, like, moves from side to side on its face. And that's what you're really trying to hit for the final battle and it does a weird attack where it sucks in air and there's these white puffs that appear like uh, you know near its mouth in like kind of like a spiral pattern and if you get caught by one of those those white puffs of air you get sucked into its mouth Ooh. and you lose life right like right on the spot Thanks. um and you can't break out of it <laughs> so the other bad thing is for this fight there's no weapon power up just the basic pea shooter weapon. Even if you had the the weapon on the previous mm-hmm. stage, yeah. Oh wow! Right, because it reset. Well, it resets every stage. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. So no helper, no robot friend to help you out. Um, so now your skills are truly tested. Yeah, yeah, and really the the main part here is to yeah. You know, I mean, shooting shooting the target is not that hard, but avoiding those air puffs is the problem. Uh, so overall, it's a little easier than the previous boss fight but it's definitely cheaper because you just need to get hit by one of those air like air balls and you get you know you lose instantly so upon defeating this thing uh you know i basically my character runs into the next area where it's just full of all the rescued comrades that i've like managed to to rescue from all the ships and um then you see a scene where the two lead characters the two characters that you can pick from Mm -hmm are sort of in a close embrace and they're kissing and uh, the earth is visible in the background. So I guess that's like kind of the happy ending if you make it all the way there. There's actually a little caption that comes up. It says, in the year 2000 AD, the war ended. So that would be like one year later? I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The war ended and peace was temporarily restored to the earth. However, no one knows when the alien forces will make another attempt to invade and conquer our planet. In the event that such a catastrophe again befalls us, only you can come to our rescue. And that's the end, and the game starts over from round one. Oh, wow. Does so. it feel the same, or does it feel a little harder? Um, it felt the same to me. Yeah, no difficulty change. Okay. I don't think so. But, you know, good luck getting this Yeah, far. I wonder. I wonder how many people flip that game over, and, you mm-hmm. know, score-wise. Yeah. Because they played it so long. I thought it was really tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like I said... You know, cheating my way through pretty much was the only way I could get this. Well, part. how long did you? How long is the a full playthrough? Do you believe? Do you estimate? Um, probably like forty five minutes, maybe oh, at most. All right. It's a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's that long. Uh, so, like I said, this was a Sega System sixteen game, which basically is a Motorola sixty eight thousand running at ten megahertz, um, paired up with. A Z80 processor, which is used as a sound CPU, basically. Hmm. This is... It runs at 30, 320 by 224. So, pretty standard resolution for games That's of that pretty time. pretty low, right? Yeah. Is, isn't that what the 3DS uses? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it right. sounds about right. 
It also has uh, a couple of different sound chips. It's got uh, a Yamaha YM2151. And it also has... Called FM Synthesis. Exactly. This was a really widely used chip. Yeah. I think this is a very... Pretty much what the Genesis used. Yep. Yeah, similar. Also used in... Sound. Some some keyboards from Yamaha at the time. The DX21. Even the DX100, I think, used this chip. Okay. Four operator FM. Mm-hmm. Uh, the machine also had an NAC sound chip for the speech synthesis. Wow, its own sound chip. Mm-hmm. Huh. There were some home ports of this game that were released around the time, around the same time as the arcade game. So it came out for a set of home computers, obviously. The Atari ST, the Commodore 64, the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the good old ZX Spectrum. <laughs> And the MSX. And it was also released on DOS for PCs. Uh, There were also a couple of uh, console versions of the game for Game Gear, for Master System, and for the NES. Hmm. I I should also mention that it also came out for the Sharp 68000 computer, the X68000. Sure, yeah. I've never actually seen that version in action. I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, right? Yeah, the ports were pretty good on that, those games. Mm Mm-hmm. The arcade game is unlockable in Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for 360 and PS3. Uh, even though it wasn't a Genesis game, it's basically the arcade game, uh, you know, Okay, yeah, available. I think it has a couple of arcade games you can unlock in there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, curiously, there were a couple of remakes of this title. You don't say. A couple of, a couple of follow-ups. Well, aren't some of those home versions not exactly arcade ports anyway? Right. They're more of sequels if you want like to even Like the Game Gear one's different. The, I think even the Sega Master System version is slightly different. Yeah, they're all different in weird ways. Yeah. Like, um, like the Master System one, it doesn't scroll at all. It's not the same kind of a map thing. It's You're kind of going from room to room in that one. Um, so it looks pretty different. I don't know. I'd say... Of the ones that I've seen on the console side, yeah. I'd, I'd say the NES one was probably closest Which to the arcade. Pretty sad. <laughs> Believe it or not. Actually, I don't know why this didn't come out for the Genesis, considering... It is surprising, but I think when you look at those graphics, it, I think it looks kind of weak compared to mm-hmm. even those early Genesis titles. Right. I think it really looks like a generation behind. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I don't know. Yeah, it just looked a little simplified. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned quartet as well. I think that's that's one of the. the I think it has a similar art style to it's that. A little earlier, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So there was a remake for PS2 of this game. Okay. Uh, this is kind of a 3D polygon version. It's sort of like a reimagining of the arcade game for the PS2. It was released in Japan as part of the Sega Ages 2500 series. It actually came out as Volume 14 of that line. Um, that was back in 2004. I actually have this. Really? Yeah, I played this one. Um, well, you might have pl- you might have the U.S. version, yeah, which is <laughs> well. So there was a title for the PlayStation 2 in the U.S. called Sega Classics Collection, which was released in 2005, and that one collects a whole bunch of those Sega Ages 2500 games on one disc, um, which is pretty good. It's a pretty good value compared to buying the Japanese versions, which were a single game each. What's the catch? Um, there's no catch. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the catch is that they're not really great remakes. The catch is that that Alien Syndrome is not on the European version of this collection oh, really? wow. because they left it out to get a uh, uh, you know like a, a lower rating, like a like the age restriction the Peggy, rating, the Peggy rating, right, <laughs> <Okay>. right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, I'm assuming that was in, in place by then. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so that was released in 2005, the the uh, Classics Collection in the U.S. So that's a good way to pick that up if you want to check that out. The notable thing about the version in this one is that it does support dual analog control. So at least you can play with you know movement on one stick and firing on the other, which I think uh, helps the game out quite a bit, compared to the arcade game anyway. Uh, so there was also a sequel for the game. Uh, a little-known sequel, probably. A, a little-known sequel by the same name, simply called Alien Syndrome. That was so re- weird. Why would they make a sequel of that game? I don't know. Uh, it was released on the Wii and the PSP in 2007. I know, that's not that long ago. <laughs> so many years. Like They waited 20 years to release a sequel to that? It's, you know, at least, at least Sega's willing to make follow-ups to their old properties, right? Pick the right ones, though. Don't <laughs> pick Alien Syndrome. I like this game. You don't like that? It's Alien Syndrome? Uh, it never resonated with me. Mm-hmm. It, it always felt... I always felt like there are other... I, I like that style of game a lot, but it always felt like I, I would rather play Gauntlet or Smash TV or Robotron or something. Uh-huh. Like it felt like it was a little too slow, and it got boring after the first level. I see. Yeah. Well, I think it got too hard. I think, I think realistically speaking, well, in order to get so, through this kind of game, I don't know. I don't know how anybody would do it. Yeah. Is it that, is it that hard? See, I, I never played it in the arcades. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I played it on Master System. That was my first time I played it. And then on Nintendo. Right. And then I didn't play it until uh, probably until I got MAME. Mm-hmm. And that was, what, in the late 90s, probably? So by then, I guess it did seem a little outdated. But, you know, I still appreciated those type of games. Right. But... Maybe if I played it like when it came out, I would have a little bit more. I have more feelings towards it. Mm-hmm. I see. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think th- so. This 2007 follow-up. Yeah. It's actually more of like um, it's not a remake of the same type of game. It's it's sort of presented as a dungeon crawler style of game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't look that great from what I saw. I, I, I don't think I would really put any time into I'm that. Not one. recommending it. I, I think I have just it. Just based on what I've seen, I didn't I didn't think it was anything special. Mm. So for me, I guess the arcade game is probably gonna be it for this wow. <laughs> for this franchise. What if they made another one? Alien Syndrome three. It would depend. I guess it would have to be good. Now you saw did you take a look at the arcade cabinet? I know you remember playing it in the arcades, mm-hmm. but do you remember back then? Not really. Because I'm looking at photos and some of the cabinets have this purple creature on top of the cabinet like uh-huh. this uh sculpture with three <laughs> eyes it uh-huh. looks really awesome do you remember your cabinet having that i don't recall if i saw that yeah that's pretty neat mm-hmm. and the marquee art for it is really awesome too the characters look nothing like they do in the <laughs> game the girl's got like red hair and she's got this Almost like Barbarella type of, you know, a little skimpy, but mm-hmm. like spacesuit sort of thing. Right. Machine gun. The guy looks like Jim Power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the artwork's neat. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were they were coming out with new stuff back then. Well, I thought it was worth a tr- playthrough anyway, just to yeah. get an idea of what this game was like. Sure. Um, 
I might fire it up and give it another try because mm-hmm. it's been many, many years. We can try it co-op if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So, have you picked up anything interesting? Uh, week, you seem to be on a roll lately. Every couple of every week, practically. <laughs> not every week, but uh, whenever, well, whenever. Right. Yeah. Whenever things present been themselves. Finding some good stuff. Unlike myself. Well, this this week's item. I saw you come in with a box. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I will retrieve this my is item. Very unusual box. I yeah. must say because it is a cardboard box with a shipping label on it, but the box is decorated mm-hmm. with anime. Right. With a hint of, I guess, what it is inside. Yeah. So this is something that I actually ordered a while ago. I placed an order for this back in last summer. Of, wow. <laughs> I think Holy July God. of 2015. You and just got it? finally showed up because it hadn't gone into manufacturing until about December. Was it um, a Kickstarter or something? Uh, no, but it was basically a very short run of a... Um, PSP game that was actually being offered. Wait, hold on. PSP. That is the console that I haven't made games for in years. That's right. Okay. But apparently Sony is able to manufacture new UMD games still because that's what they were waiting on. And you, as they soon were... as you heard, you were like, yes, I want that. <laughs> well. I'm willing to wait almost a year for one of those. Uh, so the game I'm talking about here is called Summon Night 5. 5 what? That's what it's called. Part 5? Part, part <laughs> so 5. So they actually made 5 of these games. They made 6 of these games. 6. This is Part 5. Uh, all right, they not. made even more, actually. Is this, this a Japanese type thing? or I never So, yeah. This. So, what this is, is uh, a game from a company called Gaijin Works. Oh, okay. I heard of them. They're basically... That's basically Victor Ireland's current company. Victor Ireland, formerly of Working Designs. Mm-hmm. He was the president. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll pop this open. Okay, cool. I actually was willing to open this up. So inside the nicely decorated shipping container is a soundtrack CD, which of course is a requirement for this type of thing. An actual audio CD? Yeah. Okay. And How do they get the MP3s in there? <laughs> They've got a burner, I hear. Okay. Nice. It's like shrink-wrapped and everything. It's sure. Cool. Yeah. Not for resale. Only to be included with the Summon Night 5 limited edition bundle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, of course, a, uh, a retail UMD of of the game. And that is shrink-wrapped as well. It's shrink-wrapped as well. It is, yeah. And it even has uh, a kind of a... It has a, a little numbered uh, serial number on the back. So you don't want to open this thing up. Mine is numbered, I believe... Uh, 1906. It is 1906. Yep. And mm-hmm. it does... This one says... It does not have a not-for-resale warning on it. So you could right. resell this if you wanted Even to. Even has a UPC It does have a it. UPC, whereas the CD does not. Yeah. So was this ever sold separately? No. This is oh, okay. it. This is the only way to get this. Wow. Um, it is available on the PlayStation Store. It's on PSN. So, you uh-huh. can, so this is available for purchase as, as a digital download. But this is the only way to get the physical copy of this game. So I take it you're a big fan of the series. This is the latest entry in Japanese games I may or may not ever play. <laughs> this is a long-running series. Well, did you play one through four? Uh, no. Okay. Actually, I think only I think only three out of the six are available in English commercially. 
And there's other games that are kind of considered spinoffs of the series. Um, so a few more games are available. Um, I mean, in general, it's a strategy RPG. Oh, it's okay. got <laughs> kind of like a steampunk-ish sort of setting with some magic thrown in. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what that entails. Um, they must be very popular games if they've made six of them. It's been going a while. The series started on PlayStation 1. And uh, there were new entries made on PS2, on Nintendo DS, on GBA even. Um, the latest version of the game, Summon Night 6, was released on PlayStation 4 and Vita in Japan. No way. Wow. But I don't know if they've announced it coming to the U.S. at all. Hmm. <laughs> um, the interesting thing is that while I was waiting for the physical game to ship, as a bonus, they do provide a digital code for the game. So I've already redeemed the code on my PlayStation account. I was going to say, even if you were going to play this tomorrow, I don't think you're going to play a UMD yeah, it's just You'd not the preferred the way to use it. Digital, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. One more thing about the packaging. The curious thing is it has this little sort of anime port- I have to say, it is a really nice package. I wish we could show it to you uh-huh. <laughs> through audio somehow. But it's it's a shipper box, but when you open it up, the compartments are built mm-hmm. you know, to house the, the game and the CD. And there's right. artwork inside, like printed inside the box, like... The whole box is artwork. Yeah, it's pretty, really neat. It's pretty cool, and I think basically this is sort of a placeholder because if you had bought two copies of this game, which okay. was an option, you could fit both of them in Wait, place so of this one. Why would you want two copies? Just as a bonus, like one to open and one to keep. I guess. Okay. I guess they were able to sell up to two per uh-huh. customer. Okay. So this would have shipped with two copies in Got the it. box mm-hmm. in place of this extra piece of artwork. Nice. Um, but I think it's cool. Though, I mean, that. I gotta say the artwork does not look like the best, like manga style artwork I've ever seen, <laughs> but the way it's done is really nice. I think, I think that's a nice collector piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good job. I just wish that, that label, that U, UPSC, what a U, no, USPS label. The shipping label? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It takes up the whole box. Is there artwork underneath that? Uh, you there might be. Or dryer it off? Maybe? I think I can remove it. Yeah, that won't wait too long, because then it's going to be hard to get off. Yeah, I'm going to peel that off. It's a shame that <laughs> that's, that label is taking up someone's space. It's meant to ship in this container. Uh-huh. It, that was the only way you can get that, right? Is through mail order? You couldn't, like... Uh, yeah, so okay. basically the way it worked was you had to go to their website, and I think they, they initially did a survey to find out if people were, enough of people were interested in them producing... <laughs> this thing physically because they weren't. I would have made a survey too because yeah, I had the same questions myself. Uh, yeah, so they had, so they actually sold it through Amazon. They're like, you guys actually want to play this game? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, there's an audience for everything. I see, I see. <laughs> so yeah, so I basically I, I pre-purchased it on Amazon, mm-hmm. and that gave me a that created a voucher that okay. was going to be you know used for when the game actually shipped. Um, but they collected the money right at that time. It's not like it's, this is almost like a, this is almost like a Kickstarter kind of a thing. Mm, okay. Um, so yeah, they finally made it. Nice. The, the delay was simply in UMD manufacturing. I think they were just waiting on Sony to be able to, to make it mm-hmm. and crank uh, up those machines again. I guess, uh, believe it or not, they're still, they couldn't have, is that the only way you can play PSP games is through, I mean, you could have just a digital code in the box, right? Uh, yeah, but this this was okay. the whole point of this thing was to create a UMD of it. Nice. Okay. Well, well all right. There you go. Up. Yeah. 
It's interesting. So any anything interesting in the news? Uh, I think we have time for one. We'll squeeze one. One little segment. news item. Okay. An old nugget. What do you have? Uh, so the news item for this week, this week. Yeah. was an article that was, I believe, on GameSpot. And it was about uh, topics that came up during, I think, GameStop's corporate call. They have like this little conference call they do among you know, their executive staff. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that was discussed was whether it would be possible to, you know, like resell games that were sold digitally. So I guess this is a concern of GameStops. Obviously GameStop is in the business of selling a lot of used games, the bulk of their, their profits. And, uh, obviously they see games going digital as an ever increasing trend. So, I guess the question is, can GameStop ever get in on this this racket of, of reselling games that were purchased digitally? It's going to be tough for them. I mean, you have Steam, which has been around a while. Mm-hmm. And I think to convince them, to convince Valve to start being able to let users trade and sell back games and stuff is going to be asking a lot. Mm-hmm. So now you have your consoles, which is Microsoft and Sony, and... How do you convince them that that is... Like, how does it benefit them for them? Because, I mean, just going back in history, going back to, like, the 16-bit days, even even the 8-bit days, Nintendo never liked rental stores. They tried to shut them down. Uh, Sega and and Nintendo Nintendo did not like used game stores, Funko Land, Mm -hmm. because they didn't see that money. You know, they didn't like the idea of people reselling games. So, now, I think manufacturers these companies making these games they probably like digital because it's less overhead for them and it's pure profit they don't have to worry about exchanges and defect rates they can just patch things you know if mm-hmm. things don't work and mm-hmm. you know if whereas if you bought a game and got bored you can pass it on to your friend or your brother or somebody now if you want you know if your friend wants to play a game or if you don't like a game you can't pass it on they have to you know another person has to buy that same game mm-hmm. which doesn't benefit us as gamers but for companies <laughs> they love that idea well i suppose that's one of the questions how is it going to benefit gamers to be able to do this yeah um i think the well the one benefit i guess that's the gamestop would say because they say this about physical games already is if you buy if you buy a game and Either you've, either you've beaten it or you finished it off and you're done with it and you're not going to play it again. Mm-hmm. Or if you just didn't like it, like if it wasn't a game that was suitable for your taste, you know, if you buy a game like that digitally, you don't have any recourse really. Uh, I mean, I, Steam recently started offering refunds for their games. I don't believe that's an option on any of the console no. storefronts. Nope. All sales final. Um, yep. So at least they say, well, if this comes to pass, then at least gamers can you know, decide to give back a game that they bought digitally that they didn't like, or they wanted to yeah. just not play again. Um, now for a buyer, a potential buyer of that, what does that really mean to buy a game used digitally? Right. Well, that's exactly <laughs> like, what does that actually accomplish? I mean, we've seen very good sales on a lot of the digital storefronts, a game that might normally sell for $20, let's say, will go on sale and it might be as cheap as like three four dollars you know so you're all we're already seeing that that type of discounting on new games what would a used 
price be that was attractive enough? Yeah, it's bizarre, right? I think it would be something like where someone would be able to go through the list of games and say, uh, okay, games, GameStop.com will give me 10% mm-hmm. on my on all these games, whatever the yeah. cost is. If the game is $10, they'll give me you know maybe a dollar on the game. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, okay, here's you, you send them a list of games, and they say, we'll give you $5 in GameStop credit, which you can use towards another digital game. Mm-hmm. And that's some people might say, all right, these games are taking up space on my hard drive anyway. You know, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Some people might like that. They might like that idea. And they say, I'll trade in my whole collection, and I'll get two new digital games. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I, I can't personally see it. Like to me, mm. once it's on my, it's it's a digital thing that's in my library. It's not. It's not on a shelf. It's not taking up space. You know. It's just. Yeah, I guess it's just. A, it's, it's just another... a way for you to make some money back. I guess. Right. If yeah. you do sell it, if you just want to buy something else. Um, I don't see how they can incorporate this into the whole ecosystem of Microsoft or Sony. Mm. Yeah. So that sounds not... like a very complicated in between system. <laughs> Right, I mean it's it's married to your your yeah. your gamer ID or whatever profile you have on that network. So um, they would have to somehow get the game out of your account mm-hmm. and assign it a new download code that now GameStop can sell at a cheaper price than what Sony's selling it for or, or Microsoft. You know how does that really work? That sounds weird. Yeah, well they do mention this here in the article. They do say. That um, you know, such a such a system would require a partnership between retailers like GameStop and publishers. So publishers would have to allow this willingly. So really, what is what's in it for them? You know, yeah. like like I mean, they already have complete control of the marketplace in terms of you know selling digital games. Why would they let in a retail partner like GameStop? What's the benefit to them? And whatever benefit GameStop would provide, why not just do it themselves yep. and get a hundred percent of the revenue for right. doing so? You know, so yeah, it's a question of what, you know, what, (laughs) how does it help Sony or Microsoft to do something like this? Um, They say they're continuing to have conversations about it and how they can apply their, their model for used game sales to to downloads. Uh, Apparently, you know, Microsoft did send out a survey to Xbox users a couple of months ago Mm -hmm. asking, you know, would anybody be interested in being able to sell back your games for 10% of their purchase price. Is that something that's interested, you know, for, for end users? Um, they said they're only doing it just to test, you know, it's more of a market survey. Than, it was just to get an idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an uh, indication of them having an interest in doing, actually implementing it. They just wanted to see what people thought about it. Would you do it? Would I do it? Yeah. Uh, probably not. I just, because I have kind of a hoarder mentality about this stuff. I do too. Um, Even though, yeah, I can't predict when and what I'll play and mm-hmm. when I might be interested. A lot of times, I just buy stuff on sales, and who knows when I'll play it? You know, right? It might I, sit there for a year or two years. I bought it because the price was right, and mm-hmm. right, and I might as well yeah. just put it on my digital shelf to pull down whenever I'm ready. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it appeals to me. Uh, I typically don't buy a lot of these games until they're on deep discount, as it is. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm a good consumer for this type of thing if it came to pass. But the, the only thing I think of is if they can sell you a 10% coupon, maybe that you could use on in the Sony store mm-hmm. or whatever you know store that you're using on, rather than selling you a digital code. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they would implement this. It's really bizarre. 
Especially in, in a retail <clears throat> setting, too. Right. Which is really what they need to come up with. How do you get people in your store to buy things? Yeah. Once everything is digital. Well, I suppose they're, that's why they did, you know, GameStop diversified. And it's like both out of ThinkGeek and... ThinkGeek and their push into other electronics and yeah. items that might be more permanent. Well, hopefully for them, I mean, like virtual reality, there's going to be hardware, which, you know, you'll have to go into a store to buy. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, set up VR stations in their stores. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like get that Purell supply coming. Yes, right. (laughs) I guess. I'm sure the employees are going to love that. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I think, I think this seems unlikely to me to happen. Yeah, it's just something to tell their shareholders that they're working on. Because it didn't, think about it this way, it didn't work for any of the other types of media out there. No. There's no blockbuster video retail, uh, you know, like virtual download edition <laughs> stores out there that you can go no. to. Nor is there, uh, you know, the same thing for uh, Tower Records or any of those other Maybe places. Maybe should be. Maybe. Like, just like you can watch the same movie on Amazon or iTunes, or, mm-hmm. you know, Hulu, or whatever. You know, why why can't it be like that for games, too? Yeah, I think... Um, why can't you be able to buy it, you know, just like on PC? You can buy mm-hmm. it from, you know, Green Man Gaming, or Steam, or what's the other one? You mentioned Green Man Gaming. They actually do support reselling PC digital games. They do. But I think it's the non-Steam games, because they have other codes on there that come from other sources besides yeah. Steam. But basically, they do allow users to sell back games mm. to them. So it's not unheard of. Right, right. To do it, though, is not going to be easy for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, PC games don't have that platformer holder authority right. over them. Yeah. Anybody could do anything they want, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only way GameStop could pull it off, to be honest, is if they went into like more of like a social thing, like where, where game stops became like a lounge that you can go to and play games at mm-hmm. and meet up with the friends. And, you know, isn't that what it already is? Or it's my well, going there. There's like a horde of kids <laughs> out of school with backpacks and ex- sodas and ex- stuff. Exactly. But let's say, let's say it's more of like a coffee shop kind of environment where people could hang out, charge and, their iPhones and, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe play some of the games that are available in, 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 yeah. in the store. I mean, they have the demo kiosks mm-hmm. currently, which I see people hogging up every time in the store. Of, right. <laughs> it reminds me of like when Tower Records, right before they went out of business, mm-hmm. they tried coming up with new things and they used to have the listening station. Sure. Of just like a whole row of just headphones where you can listen to the music. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work out, but <laughs> at least they were trying stuff. You, you, you see that at Barnes & Noble too. Yeah. You know, because they're trying to create like sort of this coffee house environment where people can just hang out and, you know, meet up. To go into their Uh store. Mm -hmm. Pull down a book and just get comfortable and, and, you know, chill a bit and maybe you'll buy something while you're here, you know? Just make it more inviting for for people. Um, Yeah, that could be the only way it works. Unfortunately, their square footage in their stores are notoriously small Mm -hmm. and it really limits them to what they can do. Right, but so. Imagine that all the boxes that line the shelf now are just gone, mm-hmm. and you have a few virtual stations where you can maybe play some games at, but the, but the entire catalog is available on those things. Right. And the rest of the space is just, you know, like hangout space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Um, maybe there isn't even a register. Maybe it's just, maybe. It, maybe it's just That's uh, true. you know, the employees walk around with like a tablet and when you're ready to purchase, you, right. know, you just kind of tap your phone against it. And... A million dollar idea you give them. That's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you could be the next CEO. It's all. It's all like, I, who, why do you even need that? Maybe, maybe just have an NFC. That, that's what like, Apple is. Thing. Apple didn't have a register anymore. Mm-hmm. They just walk around with iPhones and sure. They don't even give you bags. You want to buy something, they just ring you up right on the wherever you are in the store, and that's it. You walk out with the item. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, the future of retail. I wouldn't be surprised if they're working towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they got to adapt somehow. Mm-hmm. Right on. This, this physical media stuff is on the way out. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we've come to a close once again. Yeah. So next week we will be at PAX East in Boston. In Boston. Yeah. So we'll have a. Uh, we'll be talking about our anything unusual or fun <laughs> that went on. It'll yeah. Be a special PAX episode. But until next week, uh, you please leave us feedback on anything that you found interesting on any of our episodes or past episodes. And you can reach us on Facebook or you can email us at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, have a good week. All right. See ya.